Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we talk a little bit about uh, the ridiculous uh, nature of the restrictions being put in by government, Um, not only looking at some of the overreach, but also looking at how much they actually matter and how much we as Americans listen to them. You know, you guys are just not paying attention to authority as much as you're supposed to. You're going to have to work on that. Uh, Scott Walker, former governor, uh, joins us to talk about the developments in Wisconsin. Tim Poole is here on the media. Uh, We talked to an officer in Seattle who uh, says, look, he's not going to enforce unconstitutional measures. Might cost him his job. Uh, And we go through the entire Obamagate scandal. If you don't understand it, this is a great show to check out. You can get all the uh, information that kind of leads you to the uh, understanding of what actually went on with this. It's a bit complicated, but you need to know the story because it's going to be a big factor as we go towards the election. You can also watch the full show with all the documents and everything else from Glenn's show last night. You can get that, of course, at blazetv.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn for 30 bucks off. That uh, offer ends tomorrow, so please don't miss it. Friday. As well as you can get all the information on what we're doing as far as the government orders and how the American people are reacting to them. I did that on Stu Does America last night. You can get all the Stu Does America shows on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. Check that out and subscribe and rate this podcast and Stu Does America as well. Always for free on this podcast platform. Here's the podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, I want to start with um, a piece of audio from a uh, state Supreme Court justice. This was from Esquire magazine. In discussing the governor's order to stay at home, the assistant attorney general, Colin Roth, appeared to be rethinking his career choice. Bradley, the Supreme Court justice, went full on Glenn Beck. Never go full on Glenn Beck. This is what the press called full on Glenn Beck. Listen to this judge. My question for you is where in the Constitution did the people of Wisconsin confer authority on a single unelected cabinet secretary to compel almost six million people to stay at home and close their businesses and face imprisonment if they don't comply with no input from the legislature without the consent of the people. Isn't it the very definition of tyranny for one person to order people to be imprisoned for going to work among other ordinarily lawful activities where does the Constitution say that's permissible, counsel? One of the bravest guys and the guy who appointed her to the Supreme Court, uh, successful governor, economic education, health care reformer, Scott Walker, joins us now. Governor, how are you, sir? Hey, Glenn, even better today because of the Supreme Court yesterday, for sure. OK, so the Supreme Court yesterday in Wisconsin struck down the stay at home order. What does that mean? Well, there was no stay, so it means technically uh, anyone anywhere in the state of Wisconsin uh, 
um, could be opened. The one caveat to that is uh, Wisconsin's a home rule state, so there are still the ability of local jurisdictions. So a handful of communities, city of Milwaukee, city of uh, Racine, uh, Dane County, where our state capital is at, all very liberal Democrat areas, uh, their governor, or excuse me, their mayors and or county executives uh, issued similar orders to what the governor's administration had done. But for everybody else, it means technically uh, any retail establishment. There were taverns open last night around the state. There were other places out there. Although, and I heard the tail end of your, your last segment, in the end, the gov- I've said for weeks, the government can get out of the way, but ultimately the market will determine when businesses reopen, when employees feel safe to come back, and when uh, when customers ultimately come back as well. But it, the first step is getting the government out of the way. So the 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 new governor, the guy who I think replaced you, uh, right. had issued the stay-at-home order. He said yesterday, last night on CNN, this puts our state into chaos. Now we have no plan, no protections for the people. Uh, when you have more people in a small space, I don't care if it's bars, restaurants or the home, you're going to be able to spread the virus today. Thanks to the Republican legislators convinced four Supreme Court justices not to look at the law, but look at their political careers. I guess it's a bad day for Wisconsin because now it's the Wild West. Well, it's, Comment? You know, Glenn, it's, it's like it's like they've suspended common sense, not only in his statement, but in others across the country. Uh, We see this over and over again. We have been operating for nearly two months now uh, with the threat of this coronavirus. And every time anyone goes into a grocery store, every time someone goes into a pharmacy, every time someone goes into a hardware store, every time someone shows up at at a manufacturing plant that is deemed essential by the government, they've been able to do that overwhelmingly across the country safely. So to me, it just defies common sense that now suddenly the, guys, the so-called non-essential businesses can open finally because those justices actually upheld the law. They did exactly the opposite of what he said. They actually upheld the law. Now, does that mean that people who've been operating safely are suddenly going to go crazy and, and not use the same uh, safety no. precautions they've done before? Of course not. <sighs> you know, here, here's, the, here's the thing. First of all, I think you guys had the election when everybody, when nobody knew what was going to happen. And it shows that no, there was no spread from you guys holding, uh, holding the election, which, quite honestly, at the time, I would have found surprising. But there was no problem from holding the election. Yeah, I guess uh, the governor didn't learn his lesson from that one. And when did we go from a let's not overwhelm the system? Let's not overwhelm the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses. Let's flatten the curve to nobody's going out until everybody is safe. Yeah, it, it's, it's the flatten the curve versus now we have to find a cure before anyone can set foot out there. Um, the logic, I went back and looked two months ago yesterday. I wrote a piece on Facebook about how we need to be rational. We needed to follow the guidelines. We probably shouldn't have big sporting events or concerts for a while until we could figure this out, but that we could do these things without shutting down the economy. We just had to use our common sense. We had to be purposeful in our actions to make sure we were safe. The same is true today. Uh, Over two months, we flattened the curve, but but you still have government officials who – to me, at least, seem like they're hiding under their bed, hoping to God somehow this will just go away. It's not going away. It's not going to change anytime soon. 
And if we don't want to see our, not just our economy devastated, but think of all the people across America who missed out on doctor's visits and clinics and other checkups who missed out on early detection. For I mean, this is literally a life-threatening issue, even when it comes to reopening the economy. So, uh, Governor, do you really believe that these people are hiding under their beds or is there something else involved? I mean, there is we have to balance things. And that is what a leader does. He gets advice from the Fauci's and they say, Fauci, just tell me about the health effects. And then somebody else has to advise to tell me just about the economic effects. And then I have to make choices as a leader on what we do. We are now looking at a group of people in Washington, and it seems to be falling on party lines that they, for some reason, just don't want to open the economy. And no one is talking about the deadly effects of America going down the drain or going into a deep depression. Not only the uh, effects financially, but the effects of health and welfare all over the globe. Millions could die because we go down. Even amazingly, a group that I'm not aligned with and don't normally reference, but even a United Nations report recently just this week showed that the grave concern about massive, I mean, we're talking crippling poverty around the world because of the economic effects here. And their point was that this will actually have a much larger devastating impact on on fatalities, on casualties uh, because of malnutrition, because of of depression, because of suicide, because of all sorts of issues. I think it's a combination of some are afraid and some have an agenda. When I look at Nancy Pelosi's, and we could talk all day about her ridiculous $3 trillion uh, bill that's out there, but one of the things I think has been ignored about what she just put out this week is they've got a provision that would extend the federal unemployment enhanced benefit till January 1. That tells me Democrats believe or hope some have an agenda that they want the economy not to open until after the start of the year, which conveniently happens to be after the presidential election. I, I, I got to say, if you're an American, not a Republican, not a Democrat, not a conservative, not a liberal, but an American, that should scare the crap out of you. and We should be doing something about it. So do you think that the American people are, I mean, I, I think that my father used to say there is no such thing as bad it doesn't nothing is bad it depends on how you react to it that will make it a bad thing in your life or a good thing you can go to prison for robbing a bank that's not bad that is something that you could use now to reforge yourself and and become better the coronavirus i think has helped a lot of people get perspective on their life uh, it has uh, shown us that we need family. It shows us that, you know, this arguing back and forth with the politics is really Washington doesn't have the power. We have the power. Um, we could use this to wake up on the Bill of Rights, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or we will allow it to destroy us. Do, do you think the American people are waking up on both sides of the aisle uh, and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. These essential Bill of Rights liberties are are really important. I, I do. Uh, some more slowly than others, but but I do think they're waking up. Yesterday's ruling in the Wisconsin Supreme Court was a good step in the right direction because, as I said, after the ruling came out, you know, the, upholding the rule of law is important. Uh, even in an emergency, it's an important. Uh, and, and I'm optimistic as 
frustrated as I am, as, as challenging as times are, I think about America in particular, a country that started out you know, defeating the greatest military power at the time, who overcame a civil war that would have torn apart just any other country in the world. We overcame <clears throat> excuse me, two world wars, took on 9-11. We're Americans, and we're a country based on freedom. And as long as we cherish those freedoms and liberties, even in times like this, I have no doubt we can overcome anything. But part of that means uh, free will and the ability uh, to engage in free enterprise. That's something that I think is fundamentally you know, a part of who we are. It's why King Solomon talked about finding joy in your labor. I often say nobody signed my, my high school yearbook saying, good luck becoming dependent on the government. We all, no matter who we, where we come from, what we look like, we all in our hearts want to work. We want to find joy in our labor. We need to get the government to unleash that and get it out of the way so that we can go back to work and, and restore America again. Do you think there's anything to be said for um, having Trump declare America an economic empowerment zone uh, and help these small businesses and everybody else get back on their feet by loosening some of these restrictions for a period of time? Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the great things, even some of the temporary things that now the president, but even some state local officials have done. It should draw attention to the question of why did we have these things in the first place? If we could operate yes. under these circumstances without those onerous restrictions from the federal, state, and local governments, we shouldn't have them in the first place. And that will unleash unlimited prosperity going forward. One last question. I'm going to go back to the local uh, lawmakers or the local administrators. Um, you said that some local counties and, and cities can, you know, still say you're not opening up in Wisconsin. But didn't the Supreme Court yesterday say that uh, these are not enforceable? Well, and that's part. That's going to be a, probably another legal challenge. Although by the time it makes its way through the courts, we'll probably be past that date. But it is the sort of thing that I think will have a lasting impact on where entrepreneurs decide to uh, place uh, their businesses at. That uh, we just saw it recently with Tesla. Uh, making the threat that they were going to go somewhere else if California and that local county uh, that was trying to restrict them didn't back away. They backed away. But that means we need to be vigilant everywhere and every place at every moment because the government's there to serve the people and not the other way around. And sadly, we've seen too many examples of, of, uh, of at all levels of government of people trying to get the people to serve the government. We should never be for that. that that's not how our country is founded. And it certainly shouldn't be the case. We're tested the most when we face times of emergency and challenge. This is one of those moments we need to stand up. Well, we miss your leadership as a governor and uh, and uh, and miss all the fodder that <laughs> we were able to talk about because you were just pissing everybody off. We loved it and we miss you. Thank well, you so much, Scott. Well, Glenn, Glenn, one last quick comment shows the importance, particularly yeah. in this presidential, but other elections, judicial appointments. Two of the four on that four-person majority were people I appointed. The other two I endorsed before I was governor. That's the lasting impact is putting people uphold the law on the bench at all levels. Yes. Thank you very much, Scott Walker. All right. I know what you're thinking. People ask me all the time, Glenn, how on earth do you maintain that unbelievably handsome figure? <laughs> it's not easy to have a body like this. I start at 4 a.m. by running two miles, then I bike back, do, I don't know, 750 crunches, finish the morning with hours of hot yoga. 
Okay, obviously I don't do any of that. Uh, what I usually do is sit my fat butt down on the couch at night and I eat a bowl of ice cream because I really have a sweet tooth. And my wife has been saying to me for a while, you gotta try these built Bars. It's like you're eating a candy bar. And I'm like, no, it's not. Are they protein bars? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like eating the doormat, okay? And then I got desperate. I went into her stash and I actually had one. Then I begged built Bars to become a sponsor because it's like eating a candy bar. The coconut cream or mint brownie is my mind-boggling go to builtbar.com use the promo code back you'll get ten dollars off your first order use the promo code back ten dollars off at builtbar.com just don't tell my wife i told you you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program Tim Pool is a uh, a journalist, award-winning American journalist, political commentator, founding member of Vice News. He is uh, he has written uh, and been featured by international media outlets: The Guardian, Reuters, New York Times, NBC, Fast Company, everybody. Uh, he's a truth teller, and he's a guy that you may have seen uh, before. If you don't know who he is, if you just think of him in the uh, in the stocking hat um he he wears this like it's like like he's in my studio all the time uh and you, you at least i am fascinated by what he brings to the table uh because he i can't pin him down on what he you know how he would vote and i don't really care how he would vote um he just seems to follow the truth and that is rare these days now has his um, uh, Tim Cast at TimCast.com and YouTube.com slash TimCast. Welcome to the program, Tim Poole. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I wanted to talk to you uh, um, about a couple of things. I don't understand what's happening with the media right now, especially when the documentation is coming out that shows that they, they never had any uh, evidence on uh, Russia. None. None of them did. While they were on television, all of the reporters and the journalists that had their inside sources that said this is what they have, we now know they never had it. And those journalists were burned or were they in bed with this narrative and they didn't care what the truth was? I think they're in, in bed is, is tough, but I think they don't care. I think it's a confirmation bias. I also think it's, it's economically driven. These are news companies that are thinking, what's the fastest way to catch a quick buck? And one of the scariest things about how the media operates is that if I publish a fake story and it goes viral, I'm going to sell the ads on that story. I can then retract it later. I keep all that money. So, of course, these networks are going to keep inviting, inviting back the same people, and they'll just default to, oh, but that was just the, the opinion of an official we had. We were just doing an interview. It's not our fault. But, yes, as it turns out, these documents get released. These people are going on CNN, MSNBC for years. Under oath, they're admitting they know nothing. Nothing's really happening. And now the, scan- the crazy thing about uh, the Obamagate scandal and, and where it's sort of leading us is that, well, it may not, you know, you know, Trump is saying it's worse than Watergate. We'll see as the evidence comes out. But the desperate mm. attempt of many of these partisan media people to act like there's nothing here. You know, they're desperately trying to move the goalposts now because it really does look like the Obama administration was at the very least acting inappropriately and potentially digging up dirt on a political opponent. Now the media is all of a sudden we don't care about this, but they went nuts on it when yeah. it was Trump being accused. 
Okay, so let me just give you this. Um, this is from Secretary Rice. Remember, she she wrote that memo as she was leaving the Oval, you know, on Inauguration Day. Uh, and in that, she said, President Obama began the conversation by stressing his continued, uh, continued commitment to ensuring that every aspect of this issue is handled uh, by the intelligence and law enforcement community by the book. The president stressed he was not asking about initiating or instructing anything from a law enforcement perspective. He reiterated that our law enforcement team needs to proceed as it normally would by the book. The problem is is that the evidence now shows that he had a meeting on January 5th, the day after the FBI said there is nothing on General Flynn. We're closing the case. He called uh, the law enforcement agencies and Brennan and everybody else called them into the office. And that's where they said, let's get him on the Logan Act. So everything that Susan Rice wrote is wrong. She said that oh, yeah. he said, I'm not going to involve myself in this. If Donald Trump would have said, I don't care what the FBI says, go get Schiff. It would be bigger than Watergate. This is right. bigger than Watergate. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think now that we've seen the, un, the, uh, the unmasking, do, unmasking documents come out, it's particularly fascinating to see members of the media now all of a sudden tweet, you know, post their, their Twitter posts, their Facebook posts or whatever, saying, oh, but why does it matter that the Obama administration was seeking to unmask, you know, private U.S. citizens conversations, which is which is improper Jeez. at the very least. But then so I, I need to go through this. Day. I want to make sure I'm not getting it wrong. But uh, my, my cursory understanding is that it was the day of or the day before that Obama's chief of staff sought to unmask Flynn. Then Obama has this meeting. Then Sally Yates is shocked to find out she doesn't even understand how Obama knows about this. So mm -hmm. there's so much there's so much more evidence here that at the very least, Obama is trying to dig up dirt on political opponents. I know some people have said sabotage the Trump administration, but just trying to approach this very, very lightly. What, what they accused uh, Trump of doing with Biden and Ukraine is, is nothing compared to what we have now as more and more evidence comes out, especially when you see those FBI notes. Why did they want to get Michael Flynn fired? What does that have to do with anything from a law enforcement perspective? Correct. That right there, you combine all these things, and it really does look like it was an effort to just jam up Donald Trump's administration, maybe set some fires, cause some damage. It's substantially worse than Donald Trump on a phone call saying, hey, this Biden thing sounds weird. Huh? How about that? But where, where, well, where are it, these media personalities? They're, they're, they're in, you know, it's hard to say in bed with, but they really are rooting for Democrats and, and acting as their defense. I think it's I, I think when you look at the reason for doing it, I think it's worse than this. Uh, Stephen, do we happen to have the uh, video of uh, Senator Church from 1975? Let's see if we pull this out of our wow. box. Um, do we have that? OK, so, uh, let me know if you if you can pull it real quick. Um, Senator Church, you know what the church committee was. Uh, it was in the 1970s, and uh, it was looking into what the intelligence department was doing because of uh, Hoover and his Hoover files where he was blackmailing people, et cetera, et cetera. And they were concerned that the FBI, the intelligence, they were getting technology. This is 1975. They were gaining technology that would be able to survey or surveil anyone and they could use it to smear people. Listen, listen to the warning of Senator Church in 1975. There would be no place to hide if this government ever became a tyranny. 
if a dictator ever took charge in this country, the technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America. And we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision so that we never cross over that abyss. There, that's the abyss from which there is no return. So this is 1975. This is why these unmasking laws and everything else were put in to make sure that never happened. Tim, I think we've crossed that bridge. People don't understand that this isn't about politics. This isn't about Flynn. This is about you. That law of unmasking is put in there because if the government ever happens to collect information on you and there's not an investigation on you, it cannot ever be released because it will smear you and the government can shape the entire community by just smearing the right people and making it appear as though that there is something wrong. This is what he was talking yeah. about in 75. It's here. And, and the, now the question is, who, who leaked Michael Flynn's name to the press? Who within the administration was getting, was getting this information, used that to damage the credibility, create public opinion? That's exactly why you're right, what, what you're saying. Last night we did a special and uh, there's some real uh, questions that need to be answered. Uh, I had Lara Logan on uh, with us as this was released, the list of all the people that had an unmasking. Uh, Samantha Power testified she never asked for Michael Flynn's name to be unmasked. Uh, although the the records that were released by the DNI yesterday show that she asked seven different days uh, for an unmasking on on Flynn, so she, well, did she, she either did she, go ahead. Did she say she 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 didn't ask, or she said she didn't? She has no recollection of that. That she may have said. Uh, I'm not sure. Hang on, let me get it exactly. Uh, hang on here. Hang on. Hang on. Shoot, where is it? Uh, right here, uh, Samantha. Uh, Crap, I'm going to have to look for it in a, in a break. I'll, I'll come back to that. But I, she, she said she had no recollection of doing it. I know she said that, but I think she's also said, I didn't do it. It might have been someone else, which is against the law. Right. Unmasking has to happen by you. And if you have no recollection of seven times asking for it to be unmasked, seven times? Yeah, I don't buy it at all. So, so, so here's what I'm uh, here's what I'm thinking. On the day the Washington Post published the story about Michael Flynn, Joe Biden had made a request, according to these documents as well. I'm wondering if someone in the Obama administration had done this, and then Joe Biden, upon seeing the news or story, sought to figure, like, to confirm it on his end. Because I, I know a lot of people, you know, there, there is people, there are people trying to paint a picture that Biden made this request the same day, so they're assuming that Biden then got the name and then sent it to the press. Possible, possible. I don't but think it could so. also be. Yeah, it's possible. Right, it's, it's 
It's possible, but I think, you know, the Washington Post probably had to go through, jump through some legal hoops for a few days before they were able to, you know. So I don't think it was Biden who made the leak, but nonetheless, someone mm-hmm. administration leaked Flynn's name, which is a serious violation of, of, of our privacy rights. And we've, we've had problems with the FISA courts going back for, well, I mean, for a really long time. I'm only 34. So I remember back during the Occupy, you know, era back 2010, 2011, you had all of these left wing activists dragging the intelligence agencies for the, the non-adversarial FISA courts, how there was spying going on. The Obama administration had been spying like crazy, spying on foreign countries, spying on private citizens. And today something strange happens. Now you have many of these same people who, who once used to complain about it in media justifying it. No, 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 this is, this is routine intelligence work. This is how the FBI operates. It's totally okay. Right. You know, of course, there, right. are many, there's, there are a lot of progressives and, and journalist people like Glenn Greenwald who have never stopped ragging on this, these abuses, and he's a very relatively progressive guy. But you can really see the, 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 the deception, the people with no principles who just want power, who will complain about it when they're not in power. And then as, you know, as soon as it, it becomes a, a, a weapon for them, something they can use, now it's just routine. It's all fine. It's all okay. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. So what's happening to our nation? And does the Bill of Rights mean anything anymore? Wisconsin, the Supreme Court yesterday just said all of these health things are they are unenforceable uh, and it go against the Constitution and lead us to tyranny. Well, there is a, uh, a Port of Seattle police officer. His name is Greg Anderson. Uh, I saw a video that he did um, that was on YouTube. It went viral, and he's very calm, rational. He's not accusing anybody. He's just saying, hey, I, I'm seeing these reports from all over the country where people are being arrested for, uh, you know, hair, given haircuts. And I just urge police officers to know that uh, this isn't th- – th- 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 that's unconstitutional, and we have to abide by the Constitution. He was very reasoned, and I didn't think it said anything wrong at all. Well, he had permission from uh, his higher-ups to make the video, and everything was fine until it went viral, and then somebody got pissed off about it. And now he may, he, he may be terminated for it. He's been put on leave, uh, and they're deciding what to do about it. Greg Anderson, who has rejected a lot of uh, interviews, has graciously accepted uh, this interview and uh is speaking out about it hi greg how are you morning glenn i'm doing well thank you uh thank you for i mean you know just at the time i don't think there's any common sense left in the pacific northwest and i see your video uh so thank you for that um first of all did you have permission and was everybody cool for you to speak on your own uh to do this video no and and that was the first point that i was going to clarify listening to your introduction I wouldn't okay. say that I had permission from the department to do the video. I did the video 100% on my own accord for reasons that we'll get into. But uh, I, didn't, I initially didn't get any pushback from the department. That's what, that's okay. what I brought up the, okay. the following day. Okay. So when you say you did it for reasons of your own, what, what, what were those reasons? Well, I can tell you of you know, being a military vet and now being in law enforcement, I have friends in law enforcement all over the country and speaking to everybody that is in my profession, I can assure you that 99.9% of officers feel the exact same way I do. You know, all the stuff we're seeing going on, nobody can believe it. 
And everybody I talk to says, I would never arrest someone for going into a park. And I would never arrest a surfer. And I would never arrest a lady for cutting somebody's hair. This is, abs- this is asinine. Mm-hmm. Yet we keep seeing it every single day, more and more. And it really started to bother me for several reasons. I mean, the first and foremost reason is we're trampling on people's constitutional rights. And we don't have the authority to do those things to people, regardless of what elected officials say. And the, the other aspect of this that's really troubling to me is maintaining a good relationship with the public is something that's been a struggle for law enforcement for a long time. And in a short amount of time, I saw that relationship greatly strained and the gap, the, the trust between law enforcement and the public, that gap is growing exponentially. And I felt like I needed to say something in an attempt to slow that down. And uh, I, so, mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. It resonated with so many people. So you say that, um, you, you know, you didn't, you don't want to do this. And most of the officers, you know, don't want to do this. But do they end up doing it anyway? I feel, I mean, and like I said in my video, I haven't seen it firsthand at my department. I, the Port of Seattle has been a really good department when it comes to any type of enforcement. But. I believe in my heart that officers don't want to be doing these things, but they're put in a place where they're higher up, ask them to, and now they're stuck between, okay, am I going to be looking at disciplinary actions or losing my job where I lose my livelihood and the ability to feed my family? Or do I have to just, you know, kind of bend the rules a little bit this one time. And I feel like a lot of officers are getting stuck in that place. And they, a lot of people don't have the courage to just draw the line in the sand and say, no, I have an oath to the citizens of this country, and I'm not going to do that. I can't believe, Greg, that we're actually talking about this. This is something that I've war-gamed in my head a million times in the last 20 years on whether or not, you know, we'd have to rely on the sheriffs or the police would turn and, uh, you know, and, and it's always been a crazy thought. And thank God it's not to the level of, of, you know, why I was thinking about these things. But this is really an important thing and doesn't it seem crazy that we're here well yeah it's it's unbelievable and you know and i touched on that on on my video is that our power is nothing more than a perception we have a little piece of tin on our on our chest that reflects authority but once the american people have enough it's a numbers game it could be stripped from us in one minute and that's a really scary thought of having citizen against officer on the streets. And I know some people think that that's just, you know, like a conspiracy theory or that's you're out of thinking out of left field. But I can tell you, as someone that's been deployed to a lot of third world countries that are torn apart by war, people, when people get in places where they have they, out of desperation, they start to do really nasty things to each other. And if people think that that's an impossibility in America, I don't think they're grounded in reality. So what was your message? Because now you have you have two mortgages, you have kids, you can't afford to lose your job. That sends a message to a lot of people. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, the, the reason that I'm taking such a hard stance on that is because in the video, I implored officers to stand up for what's right regardless of what it costs you, regardless of what it costs you, you have to put right over your own personal comfort. And I think the the reason that I'm trying to push that message out there is because if every officer stood up for what they believed, it'd be a non-issue. 
and the, the people in these political positions that are using us like like they're they're foot soldiers they would lose all the power and so that is why i think it's important to tell people no matter what is on the line you stand up for what's right and you stand up for the constitution and that's why i had to take such a hard line on this when my department said hey it's time to pull the video down it's it's getting too big i said my whole message is about standing behind what you believe i can't put a message out to millions of people telling them to to hold strong on their convictions and then as soon as I get a little pushback, you know, rescind my words and say, yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. So would you do it again? Absolutely. You know, regardless of whether it cost me my job or not, the amount of feedback I've got across the country from both officers and citizens about how it just opened their eyes. It caused, it started conversations. It made people look inward you know, I got an email and we're literally getting thousands and thousands of emails. I can't even begin to keep up on them. But I got one yesterday that I did read and it was from a guy who works for NYPD. And he said, Greg, I want to let you know, every officer in our department has watched your video. It made a lot of people do some self-reflection. And I can assure you that your eight minute video changed the culture in NYPD. And that, I mean, that is the most, it's, it's unbelievable to think that me, sharing my ideas for eight minutes has been able to reach people across the country. But when I'm getting all this feedback from people, I have to believe that I did the right thing. Well, I think you did. And, uh, I appreciate it, Greg. I, I think that you were very, very brave. Um, and, uh, there was, there was nothing that you said that our founders wouldn't have approved of. And, it is incumbent about all of us. You said something. I can't remember what it was, but um, you you made me think of the Germans uh, back in World War II that said, I'm just following orders. And you said, we don't have that here. We, we don't. We don't. Yep. We, 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 that's not what we do. Do you remember what you said? Well, no. Yeah, because I have a friend who was in the Ranger Regiment with me. He's a special operations veteran, and he's been stopped two times asking for papers proving he's essential. And I said that that's, that's the Gestapo, straight out of Nazi Germany. You don't get to stop yes. people and see what they're doing or what their credentials are. As a law enforcement officer, I can stop someone if I observe them committing a crime. It's really simple. You don't get to just randomly target people or go after certain groups because we're told to do that. I think that's a slippery slope. You know, today, this is essential, but, but what what might a governor order tomorrow? You know, that's why laws have to go through a long legislative process to become law. And it's not just on a whim of one person, because before you know it, that becomes tyranny. Greg, may your voice be heard all over the country by police officers, and may they begin to form their own words and their own spine to stand up and say exactly the same thing. You didn't do it in a time of crisis, and you didn't do it, uh, you know, uh, because you were all upset or anything. You spoke calmly and rationally, and uh, you've made a big impact, and I hope to see more police officers doing the same. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate it. God bless. Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate it as well.